Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. If you are joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are appreciative that you are joining us as well. Well, today we are in part three of our Four Flagler series, Revisited. And this series is based upon a series we did last year, uh, which was probably the most important uh, series we've done as a church because it really displayed what God is leading us to do in this next season of life. And so if you miss any part of the last two weeks with Trent, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to it or watch it from our website as there's a part that we can all play together in what God is asking us to do. Now, in this series, we have been focused on our theme verse of Romans 8.31 that is pretty much, since God is for us, who can be against us? And as we've looked at that verse, that is a major powerful verse, but there's one problem with it. There are so many people who do not believe that God is for them. And if they do believe that God exists, uh, they believe that God is mad at them or disappointed or that he is against them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And so as Christ followers, we have the responsibility to show the world that God is for them. And today we're going to uh, just dive into the major issue that gets in the way uh, for the world to understand that God is for them. And Jesus, when he was here on earth, talked about this subject more than any other subject as he was here on earth. And in Luke, uh, he writes this down of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, and if we were to fill in the blank, we would think that it would be God and the world or God and our job. And some of us are like, great, I get to quit my job. That's what I'm not saying, okay? Don't do that today. That's not a good thing. Or we would expect it to say God and the devil. But Jesus said this, You cannot serve both God and money. Now, when I say that word, some of you are like, ooh, you know, do we really have to go there today? You know, especially at church. But did you realize that Jesus taught more about money than he did heaven? And uh, out of the 38 parables that Jesus used on a regular basis to teach people about God, 16 of those, he talked about money and resources. And uh, here's the really cool thing, okay? Here's what Jesus was up to. He did want something, but he didn't want money. He wanted to flip the script on money. And have we ever asked ourselves, how did Jesus view money? Have we really ever gotten there and said, you know what? What does Jesus look towards money like? What is his view? What is his vantage point? And so uh, if you are not a Christ follower, uh, I just want to give you permission. You're like off the hook today. So if you came with somebody, you just give them an elbow and say, you're on the hook though, okay? Um, So today we're going to look at how God would have us to view our money. 
And it's really, really important. In fact, it's so important that it is the reason why we do the things that we do here and how we are for people and for Flagler. And so there's a lot to unpack today because it's so important that we understand how Jesus views money and it might surprise you. And if you don't believe in God or this whole thing today, you're going to learn some things that actually can be very beneficial to you in how you use your money as well. And so it's going to be a great time together. So if you would, uh, let's dive in because there is a lot to unpack. If you would uh, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 16, verse 1 or on your smartphone device. Um, If you don't have a Bible, always feel free to uh, get one from the back as our free gift to you. Uh, Also, always download um, a free Bible app called YouVersion Bible App. It is an amazing app that you can download for free, that you can read your Bible, and there's tons of tools to help you to understand uh, what you are reading as well. But go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 16, verse 1, and I'll give you a moment to get there. Now, let me set the scene for us, okay? So here is Jesus, uh, who is God in the flesh. And one day he is out teaching the crowds. And at one point he turns to his disciples or those who were most close to him at that time. And he wants to illustrate this one thing that he wants to teach them through a parable. Now, a parable is a made up story with one main point about God. And so um, he tells them this story, which would have grabbed everyone's attention and it will grab our attention as well. And so listen to what he teaches. So starting in Luke chapter 16, verse one, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager or in some of your translations, a steward who was handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. Now, if you're part of the crowd and you're listening to that, that was like a big deal, okay? You see, being a steward back then uh, was a major responsibility. A steward was responsible for someone else's possessions, property, money, and ran the show. They were supposed to be responsible as if those possessions and monies and things were as if it were their own. And so if a steward was not faithful, this was a big, serious issue. So let's see how serious it was. Everybody would have expected it. So verse two, so the employer or owner called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. Now, everyone listening would have been like perplexed, like fired, really? Like back then, the majority of the owners, if they had a steward like this, they would like have him thrown in prison or have him beaten or even killed. But instead, the owner says he's only going to fire them, uh, fire him and give him time, time to reconcile things, time to give a full report. Now, everyone listening would have known that the owner in this story represents God and God owns everything and he gives everything. And the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, they taught if something like this happened, like uh, this person would be punished, but that's not what happened. That's not what God did. Instead, he gives this manager time for mishandling his resources. So very interesting, all right? So let's see what the steward does and how he responds, picking up in verse three. The manager thought to himself, now what? 
My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. Now, you think that this manager, you know, that he would stop scheming. You know, he's been caught red-handed, and, but yet he's going to pull off this one last scheme, and we get this. You know, don't we? You know, we, we say to ourselves, like, that's it, no more debt, you know, but yet we go right back into debt. There's more new clothes, there's an iPhone I need to get, there's this new TV channel that I need to subscribe to to add to my collection of TV subscriptions now, um, instead of just having cable, anyways. Uh, but, you know, there's a car, there's a TV uh, that I need, a house. You know, we're kind of like those bugs that run into those bug zappers. You remember those old things, you know? Like all of a sudden we keep on going into debt and, you know, like new clothes, you know, uh, new channels I need, you know, and we just keep going back to the light and everything. You think we would learn our lessons, but we keep on piling on more debt and money becomes a goal rather than a tool. Let me say that again. Money becomes a goal rather than a tool. So let's check out what this manager's scheme is, okay? Verse five. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. Now some of the crowd would have thought, man, that's a deal, you know? And verse seven, how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bush bushels of wheat, was the reply. And here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Now, some of us are thinking, man, isn't this guy great? You know, isn't he be, being generous? You know, but that's not what he's doing. He's thinking about himself. He is not the owner. He, this is not his stuff. He is the manager. But isn't that how money can control us. You know, it's like this. When we look at money, we have the desire to give, save, and live. You know, it sounds great. We want to be generous with everyone. We want to be for them and give money. And then we want to save, you know, for the future. And then we want to live, you know, on the rest. And what happens in life is when money becomes the goal, then we flip the script and we flip it to live, save, and give. And some of us, like this manager, I mean, we don't get to the save part or the give part. Shoot, we just live, 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 don't we? You know? And we know where that gets us. It gets us into massive amounts of debt. It can ruin our relationship with our spouse. It can ruin our relationship with kids because all of a sudden we need more money and we start to do anything and everything for more money. So let's dive back into the story because the owner's got a response and uh, let's look at his response to this manager's scheme. Verse eight, the rich man had to, and what's that word? Admire, like really, is that the right word? Yep. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. 
And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. So basically, the owner smiles, gives this manager a high five, and says, you got me, you know? You thought this thing through. You didn't waste any of the time that I gave you to wrap things up, and the audience would have been confused. I mean, they would have thought, did Jesus just commend this guy for dishonesty? I mean, that doesn't make sense. But that's not what Jesus did, okay? Jesus is not commending this guy for being dishonest. What Jesus is commending this guy in, is in maximizing or doing so much in such little time. And here's what the world is really good at. There are so many of us who are good at making money from birth to death, okay? Like when we make money the goal, there are some of you who are wired at doing that really, really well. But the problem is at the end of life, that's not what ends up being the most important thing, you know? How many people do you know who sit on their deathbed and they say, hey, you know what? Could you roll me out to my uh, yellow Corvette? I just need to kiss it one last time, you know? Or, hey, would you bring me over my portfolio? You know, I just want to look at how much I was able to attain. No, that's not what happens. When I meet with people who are dying, the thing that is most important to them is that they want to be surrounded by loved ones. They want to know that they did enough for other people's lives, and they want to know that their life counted. And some people I sit down with, if they feel like they have not had their life count enough, they, I hear their regrets, that they should have done more for others, that they should have been for people. Now, <clears throat> let's dive back in because the question that arises, that Jesus naturally arises with this and the audience would have asked themselves is like, well, how do we flip the script, you know? How do we end up with living then with the outcome that we all desire at the end of our lives? You know, if money isn't like satisfying at the end of our lives, then what is satisfying? And Jesus spends some time here camping out and we've got to lean in and listen to what he unpacks because it's so important. Verse nine, Jesus comes out of the story and now he's gonna issue this command uh, to those who are following him, those who are Christ followers. And so again, if you are not Christ follower, like you're off the hook, okay? And so here's what Jesus says. He says, here's the lesson or here's the command. And he says this word, use, okay? Now that word use, that's an imperative, that's a command. And it means use money as a means or a tool, okay? So use your worldly resources to, and let's read those two words together too. One more time. Yeah, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, one day they will be, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So God wants us to understand that we've got such little time on this earth and he wants us to take full advantage of it, but not for ourselves, but for 
others. And so the reason we know this is that there's implications beyond death. Jesus came back to life from the dead. Uh, Luke, who wrote this book, um, says that he sat down with tons of people who saw Jesus die, who saw him come back to life from the dead. So the implications are strong when Jesus says that there are things that we need to do with our earthly possessions that matters beyond the grave, we need to take Jesus seriously because it's not just about for us, it's for others. It's to hear and see people's stories change now and forever. And so let me tell you when I was confronted with this for the very first time, okay? So um, about 22 years ago, Sarah and I were dating at that point. We've been married almost 21 years now. And um, one of the very first fights that we got into when we were like getting serious about our relationship was over finances. She had one view, I had another view. I said, well, let's read two books on um, God's perspective about money. And after we read them, we were both wrong, okay? So... <laughs> Both of us. Um, but we came across this concept that was life-changing for us. And the concept is basically to give, save, and live. And so when we came across that concept, uh, it was to protect us from uh, allowing money to become that goal in life. And the other thing that it did also is it allowed us to take this commandment seriously from Jesus. So we pre-decided to do something almost 21 years ago when we got married, we did this. We pre-decided that we would give 10% to God and that we would save 10% for the future and that we would live on 80%. And we said we would not go into debt except for maybe a house. Now, we made that decision almost 21 years ago, and it has been awesome. Now, we haven't been perfect at it, but um, we've learned a lot. We've had some bumps and bruises, but it has saved us so much, and we have seen God do some amazing things in people's lives, but I'll share that more uh, in a moment. So Jesus kind of highlights this tension. I can kind of tell everybody's like got this tension, you know, as we've been talking today and uh, he's going to bring it to light again. All right. So we've already read this verse, but here's the tension that we're all feeling. Okay. Verse 13, no one can serve two masters. That word master is translated Lord. No one can serve two lords, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, what's that word? Money, okay? Now, isn't that the tension that we feel? You know, isn't that why we get defensive when we talk about money? You know, I mean, it's like this. How much easier is it to talk about our sin and about eternity rather than our money, you know? I mean, how many of us have said some kind of prayer at some point in our lives, you know, Lord Jesus, um, thank you for coming and dying on the cross for my sins. I want to make you my Lord and Savior. Would you forgive me of my sins? And, you know, we trust him with our eternity. Shoot, if you don't believe in God, you have trusted him at some point. At some point, you're like going to a, you know, uh, church or at some point a funeral and you say, God, I know I haven't been living well. Please don't strike me down today. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, I'm kidding. But, you know, 
isn't it easier for us to trust him with our eternities? But when it comes to our money, that's another story. And that's the tension that Jesus is talking about. We can't serve both God and money. And so Jesus' point is this. He's not after our money, okay? He is inviting you and me to be part of his kingdom. And his kingdom is a other's first kingdom where money is used as a tool rather than a goal because he is for us. He is for Flagler. He is for everyone. We cannot have two masters. We cannot have two lords. And so his kingdom is a first and second kingdom. And he elaborates this, and he gets real specific. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus gets real clear about this. He says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. What does that word righteously mean? It means to walk around putting people first. And we saw Jesus do that. He put people first in life. People who were not like him liked Jesus. And we saw Jesus touch those who were considered the untouchable. We saw him heal those who were thought to be unhealable. We saw him love those who were unlovable. And when he died for everyone's sin, he put you first. He put all of us first. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to join. Others first. Flip the script you know, and some of us are scared to do it. I mean, it's scared. It's that tension that he knows is in our lives. But this isn't a either or kingdom, you know. This is a first and second kingdom, okay. He knows that we have bills to pay. He knows that it takes money to survive in this world. He knows that he is not asking us to take, to be reckless, he is asking us this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, predetermined to put others first, to be for them. And secondly, he will give you everything, everything you need. His kingdom is a first and second kingdom. But we think, no, that doesn't work. But in his economy, it does. Now, when we make that decision, it is amazing. And I want to share with you uh, Steve and Diane's story, who made this decision uh, so long ago in their lives. And recently, they made a major decision to join us with being for Flagler um, and for community and for families and for the future, as we've been talking about. And they decided to... Uh, something that they had been saving up for, uh, which was a lot, um, they decided, you know what, we're going to give that in being for Flagler. And um, I want you to hear the reason of why they did this. So check out their story. Uh, we're the Gold Tops. Uh, I'm Steve. This is Diane. So we've actually been coming to Epic since 2016 on and off, but became permanent members of the church in 2018. Yes. Uh -huh. 
for me, it means that we are, we are, we are out there. We are a church that is out there. We're not a church that talks an awful lot about what we should do. We're a church that actually does it should, but can and should and could, and we get out there and we do it. It wasn't so much a sacrifice, but it was like an awakening for me as to what is the purpose of, of, of my life and what, it, what is it that we are about? Why did God put us on the earth here and what did he want us to do? I, I believe God put us on this earth to have relationships and to uh, have a relationship with him. Um, I think the Four Flaggers has really opened up that opportunity for me and really be able to examine my life. There is an immense wealth of charities already in place in Flagler County. Just to give you a couple of examples, we've got the Grace Food Pantry, which I know a lot of Epic people already help at, but just to give that some kind of perspective, um, on a typical weekend, we give out free food to something like between 1,000 and 1,400 families. And I, I like to help out there as much as I can. And then the other one is, um, that we actually chose as our December um, for Flagler project was a charity called Christmas Come True. And during that time, we served, uh, I think, over 500 children with, with Christmas gifts, and everybody got all the gifts that was on their Santa list. So it wasn't just one thing per family. There was just a mass of stuff. It was so fulfilling to, to be part of, of that, and we just felt blessed that we could help out in that way. Well, as far as encouraging, I would say that everybody has something that they can do. And it can be, you know, somebody just needs to be there to answer a phone. If that's all it takes, that's, that's fine. That's mm. fine. You don't have to be a mechanic to put bikes together. You don't have to be rolling in dollars to hire U-Hauls or whatever. Uh, but you, if you can, the person who goes in with a willing heart, then there is always an opportunity. Matthew 25, where Jesus gives the parable of the sheep and the goats. And part of that parable uh, is where the king says to his team that um, whenever they did something for the least of these my brothers and sisters, they did it for him. Now, of course, the king in this case is God. And I believe that's what we're called to do. Whenever we serve others in need, we're doing it for God. You know, I love what they said, others first, you know, being for people. And uh, that's what I love about Epic. And over the last 11 years, uh, so many of you have joined us in being for Flagler and for our community and for families and uh, for the future. And it has been amazing to watch. And I don't know if you understand, I know we all come from different backgrounds of like how a local church uh, functions and able to survive and do the things that we do and be able to thrive as well. And that's because of your generosity. That's because you give. That's because you take seriously what God has said for us to do and to be a part of in seeing people's lives change 
forever. And, um, you know, we're not like a part of some denomination that sends a check uh, each month to flip the bill or anything like that. We don't have like Rome in our back pocket, uh, as some of you are familiar with. Um, you know, there is a real cost to renting these facilities. There's a real cost for offices and doing ministry and ministering to over 700 people and having the staff to be able to do that. Um, but what I love when I think about Epic, is I think about how many of you have over the years been so committed to giving, to being generous, and being all in. When I think about Epic, I think about what Luke wrote in Acts, okay? And what the early church did. And I've seen this for 11 years. I've seen you guys do this for 11 years. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, um, he writes, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared. They shared everything they had. And that's what you guys have done for over 11 years. And we just want to say thank you. Like, thank you for your faithfulness in what you have done. I mean, going back to 2020, you know, no one expected COVID to happen. And we were in the mix of doing these three key initiatives. There was money like on land that we could lose if we didn't raise enough money to buy that land, to buy the 16 acres. And because of you, you made your intentions known. Not only did you make them known, but you followed through. And we were able to launch these new ministries well, to launch a care network, to get more counseling resources for our community, uh, to be able to hire staff because we were so understaffed in our kids' areas and had to change things up in how we did church when we got shut down and could not use these facilities at all. And you came through. We were not only able to get the land, we bought the land in cash. And because of that, for the last several months, we have been planning behind the scenes of what does that building look like? How do we move on the land? How do we develop it and everything? And that's because of you. So thank you. Thank you to all of you who made sacrifices to give. And you've done that so well. And then during that time, we've had a lot of new people find us and if you're new, um, we are completing year one of our intentions and going into year two. And as you've recognized today, like in order to reach more people, because there are more people, a thousand people a day are moving to Florida. And we know with the housing that's happening around here in Flagler County, they're here and they're finding us. God's desire is to reach more people. And so we want to invite you into year two of what's happening. And I want to give you a picture of what that looks like. You know, at Epic, we believe that leaders need to go first. We think it's hypocritical if they don't. And last year, uh, Trent prayed with his wife. I prayed with my wife. And we encouraged our leaders to do the same of how we would be all in for Flagler. And, um, and we shared those stories um, of how we did that and what God led us to do. And I just want to share with you what Sarah and I uh, were led to do and an update with that as well. Um, and so last year, 
Sarah and I started to pray and we started to get creative and what can we do, God? And what would you have us to give for Flagler? And all of a sudden he pointed to something. He said, you know what, guys? Um, You're a family of six and you get a pretty good tax return each year. And uh, I know that you use that for braces and other medical expenses, and you kind of live on that and equate that into that, because I know Sarah's family is the reason for braces and everything. Um, So I need you to trust me with that. And I said, no problem. I'll bill them later, okay? Um, But we said, you know what? Absolutely, we'll give that for the next two years. And then he kind of started to uproot some other things in our lives. He's like, you know what, guys? You have been really good at saving that certain percentage towards the future for a long time. And I want you to give up a certain amount of that percentage to me. And I want you to do that permanently. Um, Because at the end of the day, who has your future? Is it me or is it money? Now, I'm the spender in the family, okay? And I've been a pretty good saver for 21 years, okay? And so I said, all right, God, we'll do that. And then this third thing was really cool. Uh, Last year, we celebrated 20 years of marriage. Uh, We're about to celebrate 21 years uh, in July here, uh, coming up. And uh, we were saving up for this one big trip, celebrate 20 years, you know, and COVID happened. We're so glad we did this because before COVID, we were wrestling with, wow, we've been saving up to celebrate 20 years. And it was really cool because God put this on both of our hearts. We pretty much said it at the same time. And we said, you know what? We're going to give that money to being for Flagler. And we did that. And then uh, this fourth one, this was a little harder for Sarah. Um, we were, uh, we've always rented for a long time. And then before we uh, came to here, we lived in Atlanta. We had just bought a house and then uh, we uprooted to come down here and rented more and then finally bought our second house. Um, and so um, we've never really like completed a house, like finished painting everything. And it drives my wife crazy. And so we were saving up to kind of complete the house. And she said, you know what? I think God wants us to give that money. And I said, I'm so glad. He already said that to me, but I'm glad he, I told him, you've got to communicate that to her, okay? I'm not going there, all right? Now this last one, um, we didn't make public at all last year. And we really feel like God would have us to share that. Uh, with you right now. And so um, last year, a fifth commitment that we made was if we were to receive any money directly, that we would give that towards four Flagler. Now, being a family of six, and when COVID happens, okay, and you qualify for those COVID checks, all of a sudden we got round one. That was a good sum. And we gave that four Flagler. We got round two. We gave that four Flagler. And last week we got round three and we gave that for Flagler. That's amazing. Like we think we should start a new initiative. And so we're coming out of retirement to have more kids. um, And we think that all of you should come out of retirement to have more kids. No. It is tough when you start looking at those numbers. But we said, you know what, God? Absolutely. We're all in because this is for Flagler. So here's what really made that easier. You know, when Sarah and I predetermined 21 years ago to be all in, 
we have seen some amazing things happen in people's lives. And when many of you have predetermined to be all in and be all in with Four Flagler, hundreds and hundreds of lives have been changed. And I just want to share with you just a snippet of what's happened in this last season of those who've been impacted uh, during this time of COVID. And because you predetermined to give, we were able to do some amazing things with our care network and with our counseling uh, resources and be able to do some amazing things for family and staff. And so I'm just going to share a snippet. Before uh, Christmas, I sat down with this woman who came and uh, she was wrestling with some finances and she couldn't provide Christmas gifts to her children. And she told her children, like, we're not getting Christmas gifts this year. And then there was one child who continued to believe that there's this guy out there, you know, I won't go there, but you know, I get, you know, like that he exists and, um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, just in case you're watching from home, but anyways, um, and she's like, I just want some help. And as we started to have a conversation, um, it was apparent she, you know, kind of believed in God, but she didn't really believe in Jesus. And, um, and there were some other things going on. And through finding common ground and uh, being able to meet in a counseling room um, that you provided, um, we were able to have a conversation where she ended up putting her faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And there have been many people who have come in and made that decision to put their trust in Jesus. I could go on and on. And then uh, some other people that I've spoken to, the reason that they came forward and said, hey, I've gotten involved with counseling with you guys, um, and the reason is, is because of you. They said they felt so welcomed here that they felt like they could say, I need help, and they were able to come in and say, you know what, I, I have not felt judged, and I know that I need help, and it's been amazing. We've had so many people who are coming and saying, I need help. And that's because you determine to give and provide those counseling resources. I think about the staff that we've been able to hire. I think about Tiffany and uh, Jay Roddenborn. Um, Tiffany was involved in a major hospital and very good at what she does. And we approached them and they are all in type of people. And we said, Tiffany, would you be willing to come on staff with us and leave your job? Yeah, we can't pay you what you're making, but would you be willing to do that? And they made a decision to be all in. And she has come on board as our uh, tide pool director and executive coordinator. And um, you guys were part of that and being for Flagler. And then I think about Frank and Kara Harris. And Kara is our new receptionist. And you got to understand, like, being a receptionist at a church is a totally different ballgame. It is the front lines to so many people who reach out to us by phone, social media, or come into the office and they say, I need help. And so that person's got to have an amazing skill set to be able to do whatever is needed in that moment to be able to listen to someone's story and be able to say, hey, we can get you an appointment to help you. And just last week, uh, Kara was sharing with me how this person was pouring out their heart on their phone in a desperate situation. And at that moment, she said, can I pray with you? And it meant the world to them. And I could go on and on with so many stories, but because you predetermined to give last year, there have been many lives that have been changed right here in Flagler County, not only now, but forever as well. 
And that's what's been happening over the last 11 years. And last year, we kind of turned up the heat, and you all joined in being part of that. And we said, you know what? We need to get even more strategic in how we are reaching more people. And so, because the question that really comes to light for all of us, the question that Jesus, if he were here today, would really ask us this question together, and that question is, do we want more stuff, or do we want more stories? Do we want more stuff that will end up not being able to be taken to heaven or do we want to come through on what Jesus promised to change people's lives, not only now, but also for eternity? That's the question that he would have us to wrestle with. That is a first and second kingdom answer. And so it's amazing what happens when we flip the script. I've just shared just a few stories, just a few things of what he has done. Many of you have experienced that. Many of you say, this place is different. I can connect with God. I know that you care about me. I feel like I can be real and not be judged. And that's because so many of us have committed to being for Flagler. So this is how you can get involved. There's no pressure to get involved, okay? I want you to hear that from me. But if you want to get involved, especially if you are new to Epic and you have not joined us in what God's leading us to do, which is some amazing things to establish a care network right here in our community where people need help, they can get pointed to the resources here, where we can provide more counseling resources as we are one of the highest, uh, unfortunately, counties with suicide um, in our county. And uh, to be for our families, we've got so many kids back there on a regular basis. With COVID about to be over, there's going to be a lot more kids and everything uh, coming back. And then also with being, having a home. So when COVID happens, we don't get shut down, you know. And so there's so much more to do. And I just want to show how you can get involved. And so let me tell you how you can get involved with these initiatives. Yes, we've bought land. We've started these goals. But there's a lot more to go. There are new staff to support um, and to continue through. So yes, every dollar counts because every life counts. You matter. You matter to God. And so if you would, there is a sheet on your uh, bench out there, and I just want to highlight what this means. This is what, how we checked our hearts last year, and so I just want to share with you because some of you are going, where do I start? What, what, what does God would have me to do? And so starting in that bottom right-hand corner in that blue section, let me just read this. God's plan for generosity is a journey of trusting him. That's what it is. It's about trust with all we are and all that we have. And the Apostle Paul encourages us to grow in every aspect of our walk, which includes the gracious act of giving. So we are asking everyone who calls Epic their home to pray, engage, and give in new ways during this season. And the pathway to generosity is a tool designed to help each of us focus on our attitudes. And each stage represents growth and a lifestyle of generosity. These are not steps you ascend to get closer to God, but they are a simple way for you to evaluate your personal growth and generosity. And so on there, you'll see a first-time giver. You know, maybe you've never given, and God's asking you to do that. Maybe it's a percentage. Maybe you budget well and you say, you know what? I'm going to start putting that in my budget and I'm going to give a certain percentage. 
Or maybe some of you are sensing, you know what? I know I've been dealing with this tithing thing and I'm ready to be finally in. And so I'm going to accept that challenge to tithe of my income. Some of you, you've been tithing. And so how are you stretched? You know, uh, take that step of intentionality. You know, uh, there's resources that you have. You can step up and it's like, you know what? We don't need those TV subscriptions. We don't need all those other things that we have in our lives. We're going to sell that and get rid of that and simplify our lives and focus on what God would have us to do. Or that legacy giver, some who give beyond the tithe at Epic and you want to make a kingdom impact. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I've got resources galore and I want my life to count with such short time that I have left here on earth. And so God, I am all in. And so what's, what are we to do? Well, on the left side there, there's some steps to consider. Listen to God. Go talk to him about this. Evaluate your resources. Get specific about them. And then walk by faith. That's the key. We've got to walk by faith. Now, next week, we're going to wrap up the series, and we're going to have uh, what's called Commitment Sunday, okay? Now, this is going to be a great moment together where we're going to come together as a church, and I want everyone to come because this is an amazing uh, moment for our church. We did this last year. It was awesome, and there's some cool things. I won't give it away, but there's some amazing moments that you will want to use as a marker to show God and to say, you know what? I am for Flagler. I am for people. It's about being a part of God's kingdom, an other's first kingdom. And so next week, we're going to um, turn in these intention cards. Now, let me walk through what these things do, okay? Now, first off, it helps us with strategic planning. If everyone did not fill these out last year, as we approach COVID, this became so important. This allowed us to know what's going to happen, and as we started to see things happen, we were able to move confidently in making decisions that rescued us in so many different ways. And you did an amazing job of saying, we're going to stick to our intentions. And that was awesome. The other way that this card can be used is as an act of worship. And so last year when Sarah and I filled this card out, it got us to slow down to evaluate, and then make a commitment to God and say, God, I am trusting you. And it was an amazing act of worship for us that we will never forget. So if you're new, how do you fill out this card? All right, so I'm a teacher by trade. All right, so I love to get real practical and real simple. I love to show slides and everything, PowerPoint presentations, if you can't tell. But anyways, let's say you are new to giving and you're kind of like, hey, I'm just new. I'm just going to get my feet wet. So what do you normally give? Well, nothing. But this year, uh, I'm ex going to give $500 because we're just asking you, if you're new, hey, just do this for a year, okay? We're wrapping up year one, but you know, we're not saying, hey, go for two years. We're just saying, would you commit to for another year? And then my new normal now is $500, and I've got some stored gifts. Like, I'm about to get a tax return, so I can give $500. So I'm committing to giving 1000 for this next year. 
Now, some of you, maybe you've been attending church and you're like, you know what? We normally give like $3,000, but we're ready to like start tithing because my husband and I, we make, you know, together 75,000. So we're ready to step up and start tithing. And so normally we give 3,000. We're going to expand that to 4,500 by 4,500. And our new normal is 7,500. And you know what? We're going to give that COVID relief money because we don't need it. And so we're going to give 2,800 for Flagler because that's a lot of people who need it. And so what an amazing thing to do. So this next year, we're going to give $10,300 and we're going to make that commitment. Then some of you are like, you know what? I'm going to be an intentional giver. It's time. I've been just kind of in the norm of giving, 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 but I'm going to reevaluate that. So normally I give $10,000 a year. But I'm going to increase that by 5000 because I'm at a stage in life where I can do that. And so we're going to give 15000 for a new normal. And yeah, my stocks did amazing this past year. And so I'm going to transfer some of those stocks. I'm going to sell them and cash them in for $10,000 and give $25,000 to see people's lives changed to continue to reach our community. Now, some of those numbers, you might go, wow, that's a lot. Some of you look at those numbers and you say, you know what? Haven't touched the realm that you're in. Because there's a lot of you, or some of you, who have done really well. You're gifted to making money. You made so much money in stocks last year. You owned multiple homes. You sold a home, and that was nothing. And so what would God have you to do? It takes all of us. It doesn't take some of us. Last year, to pay the money in cash last year, we uh, needed $650,000. It came in like at $650,000 and $9.36, okay? Like it took every single person to be able to have the cash up front and to be able to pay for that. And so... Now, if you filled this card out last year, you don't need to fill out that intention side, uh, but there is a side that we want everyone to participate with, okay? And that's the front of this card. And on there is our theme verse. And it says, this next year I will be four, and we want you to put in a person's name. And then it says, here's how. And we want you to say, hey, I have just committed to being four flagler." if that's what you've done, or I'm praying for so-and-so and I'm going to invite them to church and I'm going to share with them how they can begin a relationship with Jesus. We want to know because we want to pray together as a church for that. Now, some of you, you might say, you know what? I was able last year to fulfill my intentions, but I'm in a good spot now. And so you might want to join us for this year. Or there's others of you who said, you know what? I want to increase my intentions. Well, let us know. Fill that out. Or some of you are like, you know what? I was struggling. That tension, I said I was going to do this, and I never did it. You've got time. We've got time. God's given you time. And so fulfill that commitment. Fulfill that intention. And do what God wants you to do. But like I already said, you know, This is for those who call Epic home. 
okay? If you are not a Christ follower, you are off the hook, okay? And there is no obligation, okay, to give, all right? God wants us to give uh, generously, but he also wants to give uh, us to give cheerfully as well. And if there's a place that you're like, you know what, I would love to be a part of that church because I'm fully in with what they are doing and how they are advancing on the kingdom, awesome, great, jump into that church. We don't need your money, okay? This is a first and second kingdom type church. And so we want to give because we are for Flagler. We're for others. We're for seeing people's lives change now, but also for eternity. So next week, if you don't have a card, you can get one in the bags that they've been handing out. We'll have plenty of other cards. I want everyone to come next week because we're going to be filling these out uh, at least one side together, and we're going to have an amazing time of closing this series together because we want people to understand that God is for them. And today, uh, we're going to conclude with prayer, and we're going to sing a song together that reminds us of his goodness, that reminds us of his pursuit of us, that he is for us, that he is for Flagler. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we're so thankful that you have done so much in our lives. God, we know that you are about others first. And I'm so glad to be part of a church that understands that, that has been so faithful to give over these last 11 years. It has blown my mind We've never had to beg for money. We've never had to say, oh no, this is going to happen. God, you've provided. People have been faithful. And we're so thankful. Father, there's more to do. There are so many new people who are coming into our community. And God, you want to reach those people. And you put on our hearts to start a care network and to provide counseling resources, and we're not there yet. And yet COVID happened, and there were many people who needed help. And we were able to meet those needs because you put on our hearts together to come together and share for the benefit of others. Thank you for moving on our hearts. You knew before COVID. You knew that we need to be ready to minister in the way that we did this past year. Thank you, God, for doing that. And we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.